Welcome everyone, I'm Sam Sebastian, and you're listening to How Are You Doing Really? In today's episode, I have the honor of speaking with a very dear friend of mine, Amy Baldwin. Amy and I recently graduated from the comprehensive training in the Hakomi Method. You'll hear us reference it a bit throughout the episode, and just to give you a little more context, Hakomi is a somatic psychotherapy method based in mindfulness. So as you work in mindfulness to really study the way in which you organize around your experiences, uh, and a lot of it has to do with what you're experiencing in your body. Throughout the episode, Amy shares a bit about her personal experience around COVID-19 and how she's been navigating the challenges and the triumphs and um, just speaks to the collective trauma, how uh, she's healed through ecstatic, wild ecstatic experiences, um, expresses her gratitude for her partner and her new relationship and um, offers what one of her biggest... um, pieces of advice that really stuck, that really landed with her. So I hope you enjoy the episode. And if any of you feel like somebody you know might benefit from listening, please pass it along. Welcome, everyone. I am here with my friend, Amy Baldwin and her pup, Freddie. (laughs) And we are here to just have a conversation around um, how how Amy's been doing during COVID-19 over the past couple of months. And um, Amy and I actually met uh, in a training together, uh, studying the Hakomi method, and um, have, have been in, able to... Um, yeah, connect over podcasting. She she actually has her own podcast that she runs with her friend um, called Shameless Sex, which I highly recommend checking out. There's lots of um, just really informative conversations around sex health. Uh, Amy's a sex educator, and there's also a really sweet element that Amy brings around um, her knowledge from Hakomi uh, just offers a really cool perspective around sex and intimacy. And her co-host April also just has a really fun and lively energy and um, shares a lot of her personal uh, experiences on the podcast as well. So I thought it'd be great to bring Amy on today and just kind of, uh, yeah, have, have a conversation and see how she's been doing. Thanks for having me, Sam. I want to say uh, your partner was also on our podcast as well on an episode. He was absolutely wonderful. We loved getting to know him. Um, and the name of the podcast, Shameless Sex, kind of gives it away. <laughs> what we're here it is to uh, promote uh, shame-free or less shame around sexuality and have uh, open conversations that... Uh, I guess, inspire that and your partner. I don't know if you use your partner's name on your podcast. Do you even talk about your partner on your podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I've talked about him a little bit. Okay. Yeah, Finn, we can yes. say his name. Finn, we, we, so we don't use names on our podcast, but he was on our podcast. So go check it out and you can hear him. He's 
wonderful. I was looking for the number of the podcast, but I can't find it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you. I love I love this idea of how are you doing really? That's why what I said that correctly, right? How are you doing really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I I love that, and um, that re- yeah that that really helps to re- remind me to not just answer with a quick you know I'm good I'm okay it's it's all yeah it's great it's great and to really do that to slow down and do that check in as to what is really here which is which is similar to what we teach on on our podcast again it's about sexuality but to help people to get through the layers you know the layers of this the mask that we have to wear in this world and that or that we think we have to wear in this world where we're not supposed to show our vulnerability and the deeper hurts fears etc uh, in when it comes to sexuality that's like that's that armor is what limits people from really feeling um, free and and feeling empowered and feeling like they are who they really are instead so they feel like why am I unhappy and why do I feel disconnected from my body and why do I feel disconnected from my partner and part of our work is to help them to shed those layers around sex and relationships and um, I think with what you're talking about with this whole what our our teacher that you Sam and I in, in Hakomi says we're in the um, collective trauma yes which I love that she highlighted that I mean I don't love the word collective trauma but <laughs> I love that she highlighted that because it's it speaks to how we're all in this together, yet we all have very different experiences, um, but we're all in this together. And so many people are feeling a similar thing um, of aloneness, uh, com- very confronting aloneness, whether they're married with three kids and always with their partner and kids or they're alone and single. There's a, this, uh, an aloneness is, and there's other experiences too, but I keep hearing that. I, people who I hear people married with three kids and they're like, I feel like I never have me time and yet I feel so alone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like we're, we're not able to connect with our friends or the other relationships that we were used to having in person. There's just like a difference to yeah. that experience. And me and Finn were actually talking about this earlier today, how like there's just like this sadness around not being able to be close and uh, physically connected to some of the people we love and really care about. And and it's some people we we haven't even seen for over two months and, and now we've moved and it's just mm. like, oh, like we miss them and we want to see them. And now that we have the space to actually bring people up, it's like, well, do we, we're going to have to wait mm-hmm. to, to actually see people still. But yeah, it is. It's really interesting how that, that kind of um, affects all of us, whether we have uh, kids or partners that we live with, um, we still have this feeling of aloneness mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's challenging. I describe myself as a introvert with uh is with uh extroverted tendencies, and uh and so within that I and I'm you know the self sufficient personality type and very independent and all these ways where I've created a lifestyle that is is about um a lot of aloneness, but so my and that's my recharge time. That's my default of how I want to spend the more of my time than less of my time and. 
I still really feed off of connection and in-person connection. It's just that I, I need to go recharge by being alone. And now just not having the options, being able to have all the same choice that I once had to be able to choose when I want to go outward is is in its own way challenging. And I'm just also finding gratitude. But I would say my overall experience of this, I was describing this today actually to someone on the um, on the phone as it reminds me a little bit of like a mini Burning Man experience of some sort where everything's under a magnifying glass. So everything is amplified, right? If things are already challenging for a lot of folks, they're even more challenging. Uh, and as is the case for me, I was already feeling into this aloneness that I've worked on with my therapist, my Hakomi therapist, and you're welcoming in the aloneness, very Hakomi, um, befriending the aloneness. I don't want to befriend the aloneness. I didn't. This is part of me that it's confusing. You know, in, in Hakomi, we make room for all of it, right? So making room for the parts of me that wants it and embraces it and chooses it and making room for the parts of me that is afraid of it and it feels feels can feel lonely and scared and i'm i was already feeling this at maybe when i turned 34 ish that this life that i've created someone who isn't really into like traditional marriage and babies and all that and um i have my little dog for a baby now so I, there's a different way that i don't feel as alone and um, and so that was already there where I was seeing the choices that I'm, I'm making and have made to be more independent, uh, that lead to more have, have pros and cons to more aloneness, um, have, have led to that feeling in that now it's just amplified. You know, a year ago I was like, wow, here it is. I'm feeling it. I, and I've, I've chosen this and there's some blessings in it and there's some really hard things that I think I, I will forever be working with. Uh, and based on how I, I live. And again, there's people who get married and have babies that feel it too. And, mm -hmm. uh, so it's not just uh, folks that aren't choosing that route, but it's just intensified where I'm, and I'm really confronted with it. I'm looking at it head on. I'm seeing all the ways that I try to dodge it. They are happening, by the way. I'm not, I'm not always looking at it, sitting in it, loving it. I am still doing my, my little ways that I, um, try to escape or fill the void and the old ways that I used to be able to do that aren't as accessible, which I think is a blessing and, and challenging as well. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious. Um, just, you, you spoke to this, everything's kind of been put under a magnifying glass uh, because of what we're going through and how is the, the slowing down kind of, um, like affected your process? Mm. Have, have you been able to really be with it a little bit more? Mm. I, I've had to. I, I don't think I've had a choice. I've Lately, I've been able to tap into deeper layers of sadness and grief related to old abandonment and heartache that I kind of knew was still in there, but either couldn't access or didn't know how to fully access um, and it's related to old, old, old abandonment from abandonment and aloneness from childhood. I was an only child in uh, raised in a big seven bedroom Victorian house. Oh, poor me! But it was terrifying. I was terrified, um, uh, and I don't know why. I think there's some like ancestral trauma. My mom had a lot of sexual abuse when she was young, not in that house that I grew up in, in a different house. But she was always afraid of night because at night was when um, 
the bad things happened. And so she, I was raised, I didn't know about that stuff when I was young, but she, um, she was afraid. And I could tell that she was afraid too. At the house, my dad was gone a lot. He was a duck hunter and kind of Peter Pan syndrome, you know, never really chose the family over hanging out with the boys. And so she was uh, alone with me a lot. And I, I think I could just pick up on her fear. And then, and then I was afraid too. And, and my fear was at night too, but it didn't really know why of like monsters and kidnappers, rapists and all these things that I didn't really know what was there. Cause none of that stuff ever happened to me. I just knew I was afraid. And I felt so alone every night. I always wanted a little brother or a little sister or friends to spend the night. And I hated being alone. I couldn't wait till I grew up and could choose to have people spend the night and me not to not be alone. Uh, And I found different coping mechanisms when I was younger. uh, And then as I got older, you know, some of them stuck. I think when I was a teenager, one of the the coping mechanisms I I, I chose was um, smoking a lot of marijuana. Um, that helped me to go to sleep and and not have to sit in the anxiety of it's hard to go to sleep and it's it's scary to to go sleep alone. Um, and and then as I got older, I got I had other various coping mechanisms that would come up, or I would fill the void by having a partner there, um, someone else to, to to be next to me, and that would be great for that relationship. But when that relationship would end, oh, I was alone again and at night, and would have a hard time mm. sleeping, and would. F- develop coping mechanisms to help me try to sleep. And at one point I developed an ambient addiction or um, just various things where where I I was not accessing the deeper core wound. And I just found these Mm -hmm. ways to um, escape it. And, and, and to, to get through, you know, you, you, you adapted to what you were given, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, I, I think like now you're able to kind of see the, mm-hmm. w- what, what happened kind of all along and kind of where it stemmed from mm-hmm. and, and you're able to kind of give words and, and languages to those experiences. But I think oftentimes people don't always have that information and don't necessarily, or, or the, even the awareness that that, what was, that's been what's happening throughout mm-hmm. time. And, um, as you go through that process and uh, get to where you're at now, how, like how how do you feel? Do you do you feel like you've been able to kind of unravel some of that and and recognize patterns and kind of recreate what what works really well for you? Yeah, yeah. It's I through the work and then like I said, you now in the last couple of months with the slowness, I. I've had I've had to look at it and feel because bringing that aloneness back into it, um, you know I do now I, I do have a partner now and um, and we spend time together and when we're together I don't have to I don't feel that but but there's times when we're not when we're not together he has he has kids and sometimes with his kids we're not together and so there it is like oh there it is and it's so interesting it's so quickly to go in and out if he's here on Monday then and I don't feel it when he's not here on Tuesday there it is. And, and it's not in the day, only comes up at night. And so I, in the slowness, I've been, I've had to actually just let myself feel it and, um, had a couple breakdowns, you know, had a couple deep releases and it felt just so old. And so through this, there's the, the deeper understanding of where it comes from, which I think is always, you know, first step of, of, of getting more, um, 
getting more curious about that. And the second one is the feelings that come with it and allowing myself to feel. And one thing I did, I had a little mini breakdown last week. Why did I say mini? It wasn't, I don't know why I did that. Downplayed it. Uh, Last (laughs) week I had, I could feel it coming on by five or six o'clock. It was coming on and I started to do my things. And I noticed I started to do the things to try to fill the space and not feel it. And I just committed to it. And what I did, I took all of my clothes off I jumped in the shower, took a shower, got in my bed naked. It was still light outside. It was only seven o'clock. Sat in the bed with my dog and just like felt, just let myself feel it. And it was hard. And there were light tears, but I knew there's so much more that needed to come out, but I was having a hard time coming out. And I kept feeling, I need to do something. I need to do something. Nope. Feel it. Just feel it. And, mm-hmm. and I sat there without doing anything but feeling I was in silence I didn't put music on I didn't grab a book I didn't uh I I just felt and I sat there for maybe three hours and you know I wasn't in a place where I was was um it wasn't disassociated or anything I was just feeling I think if we start Mm -hmm. to dissociate then it gets a little questionable that's not the time to just let yourself try to stay in it for a long time um Mm -hmm. But I, I, I had to make that choice. Now, it's not always that easy for me to make that choice, but I could feel that it was so strong that this was an opportunity. Whereas sometimes in the past, it's so light. I'm like, ah, I can override this. But this one was coming on my body. It was like, it's time. And I actually chose it and a lot came out. It felt like it really needed to. I think there was a, a release of some sort mm-hmm. that, that happened through that whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I imagine it's it's still really scary um mm-hmm. when that when that happens. Yeah. It is and then I try to and then I I'm super analytical so I'm like why is this so scary? You know what? I'm okay. I mean and not dying. It's not so painful. I mean I felt emotional pain to the point where I've like thrown up and things like that and that didn't happen during this um this time but I have felt that kind of emotional pain where it feels like I don't know if I can survive another minute of this. The anxiety that feels so strong that every second feels like five minutes or five hours. It wasn't that. It did. It did have a little bit of a feeling of every minute did feel a lot longer than a minute, and um, and and so as I as I felt into it, there, there's like it's it's a mixture of things. It feels s- somewhat agonizing and scary, and yet. It's not that bad. And there was this feeling also of like this like rightness or not that I want to stay in that a long time or like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go choose this victim route now to this is who I am now. It's knowing, I just knew that this was the way. Like I know that to get through, you have to go through. It's not an easy journey. And I've been taught to try to, or I've taught myself to try to avoid that so much. And I, but I just, there I had, had this feeling in there that I was doing something good for myself. Like, like letting myself feel it as painful as it was, was almost nourishing, mm-hmm. which is confusing to choose at that time and to tap into. But it just, that as the tears came out and I, and I invited them in and allowed myself to, and, and every five minutes kept thinking I need to do something and didn't chose that and chose to feel that be, I was choosing me mm-hmm. in a deeper way. And that was powerful. Yeah, and and really just allowing yourself to feel your emotions. I I, I think often um, we when we feel the onset of really heavy 
um, challenging emotions. It's just like, oh, we, I got to shift this, you know, like this is mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but having the ability to kind of be with that and, and study it. And I think about um, the last time I was sick, I, I had a fever and um, lasted for about maybe 48 hours. Uh, it was when I was at Esalen um, back in February. And I was like just in a lot of physical discomfort. Like my body was just aching and I couldn't get comfortable in the bed. So I went outside to be in the sun because I was cold in the room. And then I'm laying on this uh, table on a deck and just trying to like soak up the warmth of the sun and just not being able to relax. And it it just anything I did to try and, and shift out of what I was feeling wasn't working. And I remember going back into the room and just laying in bed and just, you know, breathing, um, just allowing myself to feel the discomfort, not spin out and worry, but just trusting that I know this is going to pass. Like I'm, I'm drinking a little bit of water as I can. I took uh, Tylenol, which I, I usually don't take uh, any kind of over-the-counter medication, but that actually um, it helped with the fever that I had gotten to just kind of subside, but just kind of going through that process. And it was almost kind of like a, a trip that I went on, you know, like I'm just like observing myself kind of like from a zoomed out perspective and, um, and just being with what I was feeling and going through that just has given me the, the trust that I can, I can go through challenging experiences. Like I've done it multiple times. Um, and, and I think initially it's, it's kind of scary. And, and then once I'm able to kind of find my, uh, kind of groove or or pacing in a, in a way that, that just gets me into more of a comfortable state, then, then I'm able to get through that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I, um, I'm curious, like, what, uh, what would you say is something that you wish you would have been told as a child or you wish you would have known as a child, Mm. um, maybe in relation to what you're speaking to? I think, uh, so I, my, in my childhood, my, my mom, by the way, is one of the most amazing humans ever, especially what she's been through in her own childhood and raised me with so much love and self-worth, self-worth and, um, God, such a, such a, such a blessing. And my dad was definitely much more disconnected. If you meet the two of them today, like you were two were married, it's such a trip. Um, but my mom's wounding, of course, uh, it affected her. She was start was because of the sexual abuse. She was choosing anyone that gave her affection. She, uh, would choose as a partner pretty much because it, that she thought that affection meant love. Anyways, um, I so I was raised with a with a lot of love, and it's not that my dad wasn't loving, um, and he was he was there and somewhat present. Uh, I was my mom taught she really wanted me to learn how to self soothe. She really while well, she showed up for me in pretty much every way. The one parenting complaint I will have, and that she knows, and that every time we talk about it, she cries because she's like, "I'm so sorry." Is that um, when I was afraid at night. 
I wasn't taught that that was uh, normal, okay, and that I could ask for help. And um, instead, I was taught that uh, that I should be able to manage it on my own. And I'm like five, you know, <laughs> I don't know how to manage it on my own. Um, so when I was afraid at night, I was uh, was didn't feel like I could go and ask for help. I could go in their room and say I was scared, but she they usually tried to tell me like to go put myself back to sleep. You're going to be okay. And well, that doesn't work for a five year old. And <laughs> um, so then I felt shame about I, I'm not supposed to feel this. And so there's me wrong with feeling this, and I can't ask for help. And when I'm afraid, I just need to to figure out how to do it on my own, and it wouldn't go away. So for years, I was terrified. So. One of the messages that I really wish that I had received was that um, it was okay to be af- be afraid, and that when I was afraid, I could share that, and that it would be be met with love, not that needed to be fixed, but met with some sort of love and and support. Um, and because I think what developed out of that is what everyone get. We all get these coping mechanisms that we learn when we're young because we don't have any other tools. So we, and we get them in different ways. And mine was very much for dealing with, with fear and aloneness. And, uh, and so I developed those coping mechanisms that, that are, that are still here and they pop up and, and, and I, I forever to a certain degree will always be looking at them and, and make, trying to make different choices uh, instead of choosing them. So yeah, I just wish, I wish that there was more around that. Like my ultimate dream would have been to be afraid to go into my parents and be like, mom and dad, I'm afraid. And for them to, you know, come over with me into my bedroom and sit with me until I fell asleep or to allow me to make a little bed on the floor because then I wouldn't have to be alone and, or things like that. But it just wasn't really available. And when I think about that, and I've done a lot of work in Hakomi and visualization work for that that little girl who who uh, was just so scared. Uh, I even have a memory of being, my mom had a really bad migraine. Um, and when she used to get migraines, very much related to the relationship, actually. she Once that relationship ended, she didn't get these migraines anymore. <laughs> um, and so she had this, this migraine where she could barely walk. And she was just in, in bed. You know, if she sat up, she would vomit. And um, they were both in bed and I was really scared. I don't know what happened, but I went into the room. I was scared. I was crying. And my dad was the one that had to step up. My mom wouldn't have done this. She would have still probably like escorted me back to my bed or something. But my dad just shooed me out and locked the room, the the door to the room. And there was this long, dark hallway there in the scary seven bedroom Victorian house. And I'm like in my little, little five-year-old nightgown or however old I am, pounding on the door in terror, screaming and crying. And, uh, and, you know, I, am convinced that there's like ghosts and goblins and all these scary things out there, but the two people that I love and are my protectors, just, they don't care. And, um, luckily there's this other woman that lived there that, uh, at that time who came out and she, um, escorted me to my room. She sat with me until I cried myself to sleep. And, and then I had nightmares for weeks about being kidnapped and my parents just watching me disappear and not doing anything about it. And I've done a lot of work around that since then. And when I feel into that, I'm just get, I'm so sad for that little girl and to see the adult version of me, you know, me, Sam, you know, I'm self, self-sufficient, have a hard time asking for help. I'm my own therapist yeah. in my, in my client sessions, um, things like that. And yeah, it just would be more about that was, you know, speaking, uh, speaking to the aloneness and the, the isolation piece that we're, we're all feeling. I, um, I, wish that I just would have had more messages that it, that 
that it doesn't have to be that way, that it is safe mm-hmm. to uh, ask for help and to show fear and to be in connection with others in those scary times and to receive the help from them. Uh, and I'm doing work around that now too. And uh, it's it's a little bit of a battle at times. Yeah, no, I I can only imagine. It It sounds like it, it just would be kind of a traumatizing experience mm-hmm. to like see your mom in pain and then not fully know what's going on and be kind of closed out and just like, I'm sure you, your heart, like your all parts of you are just like, oh, I want to like be there mm-hmm. for my mom. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that's even something that you developed as a, a kid, kind of like wanting to take care of her because that's what you were wanting for mm-hmm. yourself is somebody to kind of hold you and take care of you. And, um, and I, I know you to be a very empathic person. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm sure you sensed her distress and the, that just brought up a lot for you. And, Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a it's scary and I'm grateful so grateful for my the, my childhood. I think I feel like I had a somewhat of, a, of an easier childhood and yeah, we all it takes is some of these what might seem little my my trauma stories compared to someone else's but to, but all it takes I mean we all are, are we get to interpret what that means for us there's no hierarchy of of trauma and my mine isn't greater or lesser than yours and they all sh- they all shape us and like I said there's a you know there's a silver lining there's there's some really beautiful things to how uh, I have developed because of it and through my wounding um, and, and I could, but it's just so interesting to see how it's showing up in my adult life. And then also during these times with the, this whole COVID-19 piece. Um, and like I said, it's, it's very confronting and I, there's these choices, everything. I just see how every moment is a choice point and how quickly I can choose the thing that's not nourishing today and tomorrow. It just feels good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, I know at nighttime when I'm feeling that anxiety, it's not fear anymore. I'm not afraid of night anymore. It's now translated into this really subtle anxiety. That's not an intense anxiety. It's so, it's so subtle that I almost can't feel it, but it, but, but it makes me, or yeah, inspires me to operate in a way that's somewhat busy or a, a, like a lot of escaping. Um, and it happens like right when it starts to get dark and I'm alone and it's because it's so subtle and old, it's, I don't, it's hard to see. And then I'll just start doing the things, you know, instead I'm like watching Netflix instead of like, I know that when I do that, I'm not feeling, I'm not slowing down. My brain is actually now being more activated. I'm not going to sleep at 10 o'clock. I'm now going to sleep at one o'clock instead of like reading the book or journaling or breathing or meditating or taking a bath. And I know, I know the tools, Sam, I yeah. know, I know what I should be doing. And, <laughs> and, and what about reaching out to, to friends and, and your yeah, people that you feel really safe and can ask for that support? Cause I think that's, that's part of what's in, in the wounding is like not being able to ask for support when you're mm-hmm. going through challenging times like that. I can do that with really, with things that are big. It's actually, I'm, I feel really fortunate to be feel, and I had to learn that too, uh, that I could do that. But when I'm feeling like a lot of challenge, it's easy for me to phone a friend, but because it's this subtle thing, Mm 
it's it's hard for me to see and it's not it's not super painful but it's just subtle so what i think would help me and then i have resistance as i say i'm like ooh, do i want to do it's like some accountability <laughs> pieces you know so because if i just make commitments with myself okay i'm gonna commit and i i can do it I don't describe myself as the most disciplined person, Sam, but, but <laughs> on my own, but I can do it. You know, I've had times where I've committed to, I'm going to meditate every morning and night this week for 15 minutes. Um, and I, and I can do things like that. I'm going to read every night this week uh, for 20 minutes, things like that. And I can also just, I have a very strong justification system that can always talk myself out of things pretty easily. So I think if I had like accountability buddies, you know, all right, buddy, I want Let's call, can you call me at 9 p.m. every night to check in and make sure that I'm doing the thing just for like for this week so that I can start practicing making this other choice to create this new neural pathway so that becomes more the default. That I think would work really well for me for this type of thing because it is so so subtle. Um, and and I and I do well with with stuff like accountability uh, pieces with that kind of support. Um in general, I think we all have different things that will work better for us, but that seems to be what I should do. Okay, fine. I'm going to do it. Sam. fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. The whole accountability piece, there's certain people that I feel like I can really do that with in my life. And there's others that I just have this really strong resistance mm -hmm. to doing it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think oftentimes it's, I feel safer with people that I kind of feel like they can understand a little more of what I'm going through. So, so I, I try and when, when there's things like that, that I know that I could really use an accountability buddy mm -hmm. uh, for, I, yeah, I would, I would lean in towards somebody that I, that I think really can relate to what I'm going through to an extent, or just know that they have the capacity to kind of hold space and also, um, I like it when it feels a little more like uh, there's equanimity. Mm -hmm. It's going like back and forth and not just like them holding me because it kind of feels like they're my therapist in a way, yeah. which isn't necessarily wrong or, or bad. But I, I do like when I went through a really um, traumatizing experience back in 2014, the biggest lesson that I learned from going th through that experience um, was – it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I was really scared to do that. I, I, I felt like I had wronged so many people and, and so many people that I loved and care about by letting them down in, in the way that I had. And um, one of them told me, because like, we, we were talking after they had offered me some support and they asked me that question. They were like, well, what is it that you're, you're taking away from this experience? And uh, I know I'm being a little vague around what it was, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not shy at sharing about the story, but I, I just am feeling kind of like I want to phrase it like this. Um, but when they asked me that question, I, I really had to sit with that and and feel into it. And um, yeah, it, it it really clicked, like something shifted inside of me mm -hmm. going through that experience. And, and now I, even though there's, some resistance to asking for help or support in those times. Like I, I know it's available and it actually can be really beneficial and, mm -hmm. and I don't have to do everything on my own because yeah. I think that's something that I've kind of carried with me for so long. And um, I'm not sure that you know this about me, but I, I have um, 
I have siblings who were much older. My sister was 10 years older and my brother was six years older growing up. So I kind of felt like I was the only child yeah. similar to to you. And and I found myself always wanting to be around uh, family or, or friends who had like brothers and mm-hmm. sisters that were kind of always around and kind of close in age. And there's just some kind of comfort in, in being in that realm. Mm-hmm. Did you find yourself kind of drawn towards wanting to hang out with friends who had like bigger families or more of like a lively household? Yeah, I I, I was I was envious of too when I would say I knew they had their own drama, of course, but I was envious of of just the relationships that would develop between brothers and sisters and people who had big families and yeah I was I mean I, I I just wanted anyone and everyone you were just a, an only child or you had a lot of brothers and sisters I just didn't want I just didn't want to be alone and wanted to be around other people but yeah I, I still look at that today people who have these big families and again they're like oh, it's crazy and chaotic and there's just such a a beauty to it that um, my family really doesn't have and I also have a ha- I do have a half sister who's 16 years older than me but she didn't really live with us and she felt more like an aunt. Yes, I say aunt instead of aunt. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and and uh, we're actually a lot closer now as adults than when we were when I was a, a kid because 16 years is just so big. Um, and yeah, what you're speaking to, I remember learning at a, in my last relationship uh, with my ex-partner, whom you know, that in the first year of that relationship, within like eight months we hit our first rocky patch we had about five different ones kind of similar undertones but different stories and our first rocky patch in that first rocky patch i was still they had the old stuff of i can't ask for help i need to hold this on my own i can't show weakness i can't tell friends about this because they might hate my partner they might think that i'm weak they might you know, there was some pride in there and fear and it made it so much harder and by the way they all know they're all looking at me and they're like uh something's off and I'm trying to hold it. And then I'm just extra shaky and rocky. And through that, through having people push me to allow them to support me, and then I started to exercise that. Then the next four rounds of similar uh, pain, I I learned to call the troops. You know, the minute it started to happen, calling the troops. And I was like, I need help. And I'm so well supported. Like all I have to do is send out a mass text message to like 10 people. I need help. I'm having a really hard time. And they like, they'll take shifts. They're like, all right, I'm going to be with Amy for these three hours and you get the other three hours and I'm spending the night in her bed. And depending on how much, where, where, uh, where I was at, like how painful it was. And I realized how, and I know not everyone is that supported. Not, I know a lot of people feel like they don't have folks that they can reach out to. Hence why thank goodness for therapy and things like that. Um, but I learned, I learned that I'm so grateful for that lesson. It is my, it is my, it is, it is a lifesaver um, for, for those bigger things has got, got me through so much. I mean, I even had one girlfriend, I was going through a heart, so a pain where I had, we told you about that emotional pain where I threw up. Like I was mm-hmm. trying to meditate through, I'm like, I'm in so much pain trying to meditate. And then I'm like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to throw up and <laughs> threw up. I was like, wow, I can't sit in presence with this one. It's that painful. And what I decided was in it, it's a little wild. It's like, I need an, ex- I need supportive friends and I need an ecstatic experience because I need something to shock my system right now. Cause I'm just so in it. And I had friends that were skydivers. I never jumped out of a plane and I, called my skydiver friend and I was like, um, 
can I jump out of a plane with you today? And, and he's like, oh, I had always been afraid. I always said I would never do it. He's like, are you are you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah. Are you, this is safe, right? He's like, yeah, it's pretty safe. <laughs> Some people die sometimes. And and then I called one of my girlfriends like, I'm jumping out of a plane today. I'm going through it. Do you want to come? And she's like, I'll do whatever you need. I'm terrified, but I'll go. And so she came with me. And uh, so I had one there's that support of the friend that's exercising, asking for help, people saying, yes, I care to even do a crazy thing, like go jump out of a plane with you and went and did a tandem jump. You know, I was strapped to this, this guy who I also was kind of cute. And uh, <laughs> so that too, <laughs> jumped out of the plane, felt nothing. He's like, do you want to do like a flip when we jump out of the plane? I was like, I don't even care. I'm in so much pain right now. I'm like, I just want to feel something different from this. And that wasn't like suicidal or anything. I just was felt so in pain. I was so painful. It was so, so hurt. And we jumped out. We flipped. We're fla- we're falling. I'm like, and I just feel nothing. I'm just like, numb. But I, and it was in my mind. I'm just like, oh, this is interesting. It's like fifteen thousand feet. What if the chute doesn't open? Or well, whatever. We're going chute opens. It opens. We land. I feel a little something. We land like a little something, but not what I should. He's like, wow, we did it. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. And, but this is what, what the cool thing that happened. Every hour after that, something changed for like the next three days. Every, every single hour, it was like something was, it didn't all happen just with that jump. Like with the minute I landed, it was like, this slow process of layer after layer after layer of some sort of armor that this ecstatic experience combined with the support, having this girlfriend there jumping with me too and, um, and be feeling just, yeah, so cared for. Uh, and this is shock to the system. It felt like, you know, I was, I had died and someone took those like little electrodes to my chest. Boom. boom. Um, within three days, I was like a new human. It was fascinating and i don't know why i'm sharing this story but just about i was thinking it started with the asking for support but what i've learned is just there's so many ways for us to choose how to care for and tend for ourselves in hard times and they're all so different it's not just meditation it's not just breathing it's not just all the holistic things that we hear and going you know going to therapy it can also be wild ecstatic things that show us we're alive that are like mm-hmm. wow you are so alive right now like just just feel it feel all of it and it can be from a really scary confronting experience too of course we want to do it in safe ways um, but yeah, so I, I really loved that lesson too—the power of having aliveness that can come from um, kind of jolting experiences. Totally, I, I think um, some ways of of kind of experiencing similar uh, ways of just shifting our perspective could be uh, like dancing. Mm-hmm. I know that ecstatic dance I've, I've been, and it's just really like if I'm carrying something with me that's just really hard to shake off, like I can actually get to a point in the dance where I'm able to just like let it go and just be in a different, more in my body mm-hmm. is is typically what needs to happen because I'm so much in my mind, like worrying and ruminating on these things. And it's just like get into your body, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and then breath work. Um, oh yeah. That's just like kind of blown my mind where that's been able to take me and um and yeah i mean it, it, you're right there's so many different ways in which we can actually 
work with what we're going through. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It's going to look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, these are all um, kind of tools that we can pick up or set down. And sometimes they're really going to work and other ways they're not, you know, and that's just part of um, being a human and um, going through the human experience. And Mm. I, I I wanted to also, um, kind of touch in, uh, about how, uh, how has it been being in relationship and in a new relationship Mm -hmm. and, and going through this together for you? Mm. I am so grateful. I have been able to tap into the gratitude of all of this, um, so, so many times, so often, which is great for me to feel, uh, in, you know, so in late September, I started seeing someone it was never meant to be this relationship that it's become. He was recently separated from a 20 year relationship slash marriage. And, um, I had only been s- broken up with my ex-partner for five months, but we had broken up like 3.5 times. So it really didn't feel that way. It felt like we had been transitioning out for a long, long, long time. Um, and so the plan with this person was we both wanted to be single for a long time. And, um, well, when you're not looking, guess what, everyone, that's when it finds you. And, and I was <laughs> super grateful for it. He is, he is everything that I've, um, it, it through all the lessons I'd have, I've had in past relationships and everything I was calling in after my last breakup, um, and heartbreak, it was the type of partner in person. He, he is, is it. And he's such, such a blessing. So, and it's such a blessing, honestly, to be in a new relationship during this time where we do not live together, where we have our own space and independence. So we're not, you know, sheltering in place and want to pull our hair out because we live in a tiny one bedroom together. You know, we're we're not experiencing that. We have our separate residences. We have our um, careers, and and he and he has um, kids and. So that's uh, gives gives spaciousness too for when he goes and shows up for his kids and and then so I you know I got this new wonderful partner and then I got this new little dog fur baby and late February so only what two or three weeks before shelter in place happened where you couldn't adopt dogs as easily then and now I think there's a waiting list of like 500 people for small dogs in my area so I just had these two blessings new this this, this new this new little boy and this new man in my life at, during the the perfect time. And I'm, so I'm so grateful. And and my partner's so supportive. He can hold all of me, all of me. I can show up in all of me in angry Amy or messy Amy or super sad Amy or Amy who's hurt about something that has to do with him. And he, he just holds, he just, he, he is, he holds me and, and loves me. And, And it, I've never been in a relationship where I felt, um, as much, as much as possible, unconditional love. I don't think that any, that our romantic partners can really unconditionally love um, each other fully, um, and I just feel that as as much as is possible from someone. I, I, he is he is that that now. So there's I'm so grateful for that, uh, and I am feeling the challenges in our relationship of, of uh, you know for the first six months it was totally find this this separateness with his other life with his, with his kids um and 
I am starting the last month or so, like feeling feeling the separateness in a, in a heavier way. And I'm not sure if it's related to, it's probably all things, it's probably related to the virus and that aloneness I'm speaking to that is stronger than it's ever been. It's probably also because we've been together for a long time now. I mean, not a long time, was it seven months? Um, and it's, so it's more of this, like, you know, how long are we going to do this? And I don't feel like he's ashamed of me or, um, or anything. I think he's just terrified. I know he is. He's just terrified to tell his children, his kids who have only seen him with his, their mom, their entire lives. And they've only been separated last summer to tell them, Hey, I have a new partner. Um, and you know, he, and his wife doesn't have a partner right now. Um, so he would be potentially like the wrong one or the bad one, or, um, I could only imagine how they feel about me. And so that, so, but I'm, so at any rate, I totally understand and have compassion and it's hard. It's hard to feel, mm-hmm. uh, to understand why it needs to go slow and at their own pace and to still feel the separateness that comes. So I'm both very, 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 very grateful to have a partner and a, and a newer partnership during this time. Um, and the uniqueness of that that dynamic and what's changed with shelter in place too. Kids are homeschooled now. So when he's with them, he's always with them versus them being at school when we could potentially see each other during those times, even when it was his days to have kids. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's changed uh, his his availability to a certain degree that I feel. Um, and that that can just be hard. So all, and all I do, I can do is voice it, right? It's like, not like, you always do this or you need to do this. Or, you know, instead I can just voice what, hey, this is feeling really challenging for me. This is what I feel. I feel, you know, sadness. I feel aloneness. I know a lot of it's really old and some of it is related to X, Y, and Z. And this is just what comes up for me. And, 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 and we're just committed to sharing along the way, every, every step of the way. Um, and that's, that's all we can do. That's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like you you have a really uh, healthy way of communicating with one another, and just really fortunate to have somebody who can hold <laughs> yeah. you in that way. You know, it's not always easy. It, it, it sounds like he's really done a lot of his own uh, work, or just had a really secure attachment. <laughs> oh, he did. He had a great childhood. I mean, he has his own stuff, but he's done work, done work and his childhood, he had a lot of love in there. It was just it was such a blessing. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask one more question, if you're open to it. Always um, open, Sam. Ask away. Yeah. So, kind of following the theme that we've been talking about, um, What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? The first one that came to mind was uh, when I was in a highly anxious state during one of the rounds of heartbreak with my last partner. And I, you know, in that anxiety, I felt you know, again, like every second is like many minutes and I needed to know, I need to know the answers. I'd only feel safe and calm if I had all the answers. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What do I do? What's going to happen? And that, and I was going crazy. And I talked to one of my guy friends, who's also a life coach and was asking for support. And he's like, well, do you want, his name is Corey. He says, do you want Corey, the friend support, or do you want Corey, the coach support? Which I think is a great question to ask. Like, are you asking for advice? Or are you asking for someone to just hear you? And I said, I want both. I want it all. I need all of it right now. I'm losing it. And 
and this was so simple and I'm sure I had heard it before, but when he said it, it landed, right? Like we know this in Hakomi when we, there's certain statements that we share and, and, and say with people that we need to have this, this moment where they're, they're embodied, they're in it and they're ready for it. They're open to it. They're mindful. Um, and for it to really sink in. And he said, what he, in it, he said, it's so simple. Just trust. Like just trust that it's all going to work out one way or another. Just trust that it's all in kind of like the divine plan. Just trust that even if it doesn't feel good today, tomorrow for five months, that some point down the road, you're going to understand why it all happened this way. And if you just allow that, you know, step away and just trust in the process, then and, and stay present with what's actually here right now. Um, then, then, you'll, you'll, you'll get through it. And for some reason at the, the place I was in, I mean, I knew that. I know that. I mean, come on, Sam, of course I know that. But I don't know that when I'm in anxious and when I'm hurting, you know, when I'm in those, those, and those places. But be, then when he said it, it landed. I felt something in me change uh, in, in that moment. You know, it's not that I haven't become anxious and haven't had moments where I, can't, I forget to just trust. But because it landed, I was able to take it in. All of a sudden, I felt like I could just let go and just, all right, you know, this, this is happening, whatever this is going on right now. I can't change it. I, I'll never have all the answers. Even if I do, they could change any minute. They actually would seem to provide me a false sense of safety anyways, because everything is changing. Um, and whatever I believe to be true might not actually be true. And in that I was able to move through the anxiety and can now to remind myself to just trust when I go into those really fearful spaces or downward spirals. I'm sure there's plenty of other really great advice I've received, but that that one I can just remember the first thing that came to mind. I remember it landing and shifting and how I've been able to apply it later on in life in a powerful way. Totally. I, I think it's really applicable to the collective trauma, mm -hmm. as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Um, to, to, yeah, really just trust, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trust the process of it all. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think it means just like, okay, uh, just like no. surrender power or surrender whatever and, and not actively engage with what's coming up, mm -hmm. but it's, it's really, um, staying aware, staying present and, and trusting yeah. that things will pass and things will get better. Yeah. It, it was an invitation to, it's not an invitation. It's not like don't feel your sadness or your discomfort. It was, you're trusting that the sadness and discomfort is here for a reason and this too shall pass. And that, and so in that, so it's not, it's not an invitation to just run away and not feel the hard things, but more of like, you know, that there's a reason, there's, there's a reason for all of this or that there's an opportunity here as well. Yeah, it's painful. It's hard. And there's, there's something that's coming out where there's an opportunity to learn, to grow. You know, in that moment I learned to, this, this new way of, um, of looking at things, but also in the moment what I chose was like, okay, well, okay. So if I trust with what's in that, in, in the process, I'm surrendering the need to control. Okay. Now there's an ease and a lightness and I'm not as anxious. Okay. So what is true in this moment? That's another thing that um, one of my Hakomi teachers or my therapist taught me is like, all we can work with is what is absolutely true to us in this moment. What is true in this present moment? Okay. What's true right now is I'm breathing. 
I'm here looking at Sam. I have a microphone on. My dog is really soft and sweet. It's sunny and beautiful outside. Um, if I check in my temperament right now, I'm, I'm pretty clear and happy. And that's true right now. And when I check in with those things, then I often find that right now is actually not that bad. Right now is usually only bad when I'm worried about ye- like yesterday or tomorrow, or if I'm just really in a lot of current emotional pain. Um, so uh, yeah, so that it paved way for, for that process. And then in that I could choose me, you know, then it's like, I'm letting go of the control, having to grab onto the reins, feeling into what's true and present right now. Okay. I need some support from myself. I need to show up for me. So I'm going to do me in a more powerful way. I'm going to call, reach out to my friends, ask for support. I'm going to go get out in nature. Um, so it seems like there's these, these little steps that the, the trust and the surrendering, um, was is the the first baby step, and then the, to the openings to then through these other stepping stones to where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's my own two feet on the ground. I feel embodied. I feel human again. I feel cared for. I feel supported. It's gonna be okay. Maybe not today, but it's going to be okay. Thank you so much for sharing that, and mm. and for kind of sharing more about the process mm-hmm. as well, just to give yeah. people more context. Mm-hmm. who are listening. Thank you. I'm so happy that you came on today Yay. and and shared so much of um, your wisdom and, and your experience and just your energy. Mm. I, I love it. It's, it's contagious just <laughs> being like with you um, mm-hmm. just always kind of brings my spirits up and I, I'm just really grateful to, to have you as a friend and mm. have you in my life. So. Uh-oh. Thank you. I love you, Sam. I'm so happy you started a podcast. I'm excited to share it on on my podcast with all of my folks. I think it'd be refreshing too for them to hear things that are just not just. I mean, they love hearing all about sex, but um, I think it'll be nice for them to kind of step out and branch out. And I love that this this question that you're asking. And uh, yeah, you're wonderful, and I love you, and I'm so happy to have you as a friend too. Oh. I love you too. And and I want um to be able to send people who listen to this to your podcast. So where can they find you and what did they search for? It's on all the podcast apps as far as I know. Uh, it's called Shameless Sex. Pretty hard to miss us. The logo's <laughs> icon's a little banner of my co-host and I. Um, well, we, I'd say we're topless and underwear. But we have a little banner over our breasts that says Shameless Sex on it. Uh, and yeah, it's play. It's playful. It's informative. We bring in speakers, educators, authors uh, to teach all about sexuality. And um, yeah, just look up Shameless Sex. You can find us on Instagram and pretty much anywhere and everywhere. Easy, easy to find and hunt down. And if you have sex questions, you can send them in and we might answer them on air. And what you see is what you get. I'm pretty much Amy in all, in all these realms. I don't have, like, I have different voices. But I don't have that many different personas, but um, sexuality. I love talking about all things about healing and wounding and growing and, and et cetera. And sexuality is where I become really alive so if you thought i was jazzed up here at all <laughs> listen to me talk about sex <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's all connected totally yeah mm-hmm. it's all connected um and and that's something that i'm realizing more and more as as i work through my own mm-hmm. stuff so um yeah and and there's so much i i think in uh, our culture, society, where it's almost not okay to talk about sex, or we've yeah. learned that all along, and it's it's really liberating when we get to. And and I know that 
it, it just excites me when I have somebody where I can really connect to them yeah. and share about my process around what's happening. Totally. So give it a listen. Uh, thank you again so much for being on Yay. my podcast. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> thank you. Thank you all so much for listening today. If any of you'd like to find out more about the work that I do, you can go to samsebastian.com. That's S-A-M-S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N.com. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to me via email. That's sam at samsebastian.com. Much love.